2: Are you looking to take your media strategy to the next level and make impact with millions of customers? Walmart Connect harnesses the massive reach of America's number one retailer. They can help you connect more meaningfully with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers to find the right audience for your message. They use Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to help you precisely target even niche audiences at scale. Visit walmartconnect.com today to see how they can help you find the customers you want at the scale you
1: need. Hey, Great Fail listeners, we're taking a little break this week, but didn't want to leave you hanging. So we're dropping in an episode from one of our shows at the Adweek Podcast Network called Marketing Vanguard. Check out their latest episode called Embracing Change and Redefining Leadership. In the world of modern business, adaptability and evolution are often paramount for success, and the same holds true for the field of marketing where Venet Mera the CMO of chime exemplifies a career path that embodies the dynamic nature of marketing leadership in a recent conversation vinet shares insights into his professional journey highlighting how his roles in various industries have shaped his perspective on marketing's role in growth engines of companies listen to this week's episode to hear how vinet continues to drive innovation at chime while his journey remains an inspiration to those seeking to redefine the boundaries of marketing leadership in In an ever changing world. We'll be back with another amazing episode of The Great Fail in two weeks. And remember, folks, with great failure comes great liability.
0: Hi there. My name is Jenny Rooney, Chief Experience Officer and host of Adweek's Marketing Vanguard podcast. We're so excited to bring you insightful content from key marketing leaders and thinkers. Together, we'll dive into discussions with CMOs and other C suite executives who are tasked daily with making decisions that, in incremental or monumental ways, move the needle for their brands, their companies, and the customers they serve. In each episode, we'll focus on one key idea or decision why they made it, what it caused, whether it worked, and how it has defined the person as a business leader. We also address missteps, poor choices, and gambles, as mistakes, of course, often yield the greatest knowledge. Also, we'll ask each guest to share the names of the people they rely on daily, as well as a recommendation for who we should interview next. I so look forward to sharing these conversations with all of you. Together, we'll tell a new narrative about the power of marketing leadership in driving business growth. Looking forward to having you join us soon. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Marketing Vanguard podcast. I'm Jenny Rooney. I'm the chief experience officer here at Adweek, and I'm, I'm so thrilled today to be joined by Venet Mera. He's the CMO of Chime. Uh, Venet and I have known each other for a number of years now, and I've had the great pleasure of watching him um, move through his career um, through various marketing leadership roles. And we're going to unpack a lot of that right now um, in this uh, in this podcast conversation. So Venet, welcome.
3: Thanks for having me, Jenny. Great to uh, be with you on this first day of school for both of our kids. It's uh, I know. quite a day.
0: It is quite a day. It is. It's so funny because it's like, you know, listen, our, our lives are so much a combination of so many things. And, um, you know, especially in this business. And, and there's so many people who... Uh, you know, listen, you're a brand leader, but you're a consumer. You're, you're, you obviously have your professional leadership role and you have your, your home and your personal life roles. And, um, I think today for, for you and for me, we're, we're feeling that confluence, right. Of, <laughs> of responsibility in all the best Absolutely.
3: ways. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, family always first and, oh. uh, you know, days like the today really remind you of that. So, happy to be talking about career and as you know those two things are intertwined so i'm sure a lot of this will come up
0: it will it will yeah so um no i mean i listen i i love that and um i you know and let's i think what we're going to do in the next in the next 45 minutes or so is talk about that and and among other things we're going to talk about you know um, who you are, how you define your leadership role in your organization, and in your you know previous organizations, and how you think of of yourself as a true decision maker within your organization, to, you know to drive business growth in critical new ways, and you know with the Marketing Vanguard podcast, one of the things that we like to do is get specific around those key decisions that are just so core to leadership. Um, every day, you know that's part of being a leader is like literally looking at every fork in the road that you encounter, um, and 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 Truly making those decisions, and a lot of it is, you know, a lot of it is based on gut. A lot of it's based on data. A lot of it's based on um, hope. You know what I mean? I mean, there's just an intuition. So um, we're going to get into that. But I would love for everybody to um, hear from you directly a little bit about you, um, and then would love for you to explain what Chime is for people who aren't as familiar.
3: Yeah, sure. Well, well, thanks for for the opportunity. So, um, you know, I guess a little bit about me, and then kind of how that blends into my career. I'm a, you know, a a classic sort of first generation, um, immigrant that came to actually Canada. I'm actually Canadian by citizenship, but born in India and eventually made my way to the U S. But I say that because I think that first generation mindset definitely defines a lot about who I am as a person, as a leader, you know, as a teammate, um, as a family person, all those things really are intertwined. Um, and as far as my career is concerned, you know, I, I always chased experiences, not titles, levels, I think probably taken three pay cuts in my life at various times because I wanted an experience or I wanted to kind of live somewhere else in the world. So I guess my career is defined in a couple of chapters. Um, Back when I got out of school in the 90s, um, as you remember, like the place to go for marketing was the CPG companies, right? You go, if you can get into P&G or Unilever.
0: yeah.
3: Pepsi or craft back in the day, right? Like that was the like the academy's companies for, uh, for marketing. And so I aimed for that path. I knew I loved marketing at a young age. I had a grade 11 uh, business school teacher who was an ex-PNG guy turned teacher taught me a little bit about PNG. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Uh, I ended up at PNG right out of school and had my first half of my career in CPG. I lived in Switzerland, Singapore, India, the US, Canada, and had a very global CPG career. My last role in CPG is I was actually moving a little bit out of marketing, and I was the global president of our baby care division at J&J, which was the biggest division over at J&J. And as you know, that's the CPG career path, right? Like marketers eventually land as general managers. I think I was 31, and I was just like, man, I, I love this, but I feel like the world's changing around me. And so after that role, I took my first big chance. After taking a lot of kind of CPG experiences around the world, I moved to Silicon Valley and the next kind of decade or so uh, was all about tech and disruption and learning new skills and just trying to transform myself as a leader and a practitioner of marketing, the sort of East Meast West sort of marketing thing that's going on. I really talked a lot about this Tupac Biggie thing in marketing where there's East Coast marketers, like brand marketers and then West Coast marketers, kind of performance marketers. And to Mm. me, you know, I think blending that and where a career is headed is uh, is very important. Um, So so the second half of my career is being about tech and, um, you know, I'm sure we can talk more about that, but I landed over at Ancestry and we brought DNA. Remember those genetic testing kits that went all over the world? We sort of created a movement around that, really transformed that brand, kind of got my experience in private equity and how that works. Um, then I went into uh, back over to Chicago, and I went back to scale and was a global CMO of Walgreens Boots, uh, which was a $100 billion job. I had multiple CMOs reporting to me, and I had the great pleasure of running retail pharmacy businesses in the middle of COVID. Just imagine that. Those three years, two and a half of those years were COVID years, and we were trying to vaccinate America and the UK and, and different places like that. So Fascinating digital transformation and customer experience role. There, my role morphed from CMO to also add the title of chief customer officer. So this changing role of, I think, what a marketer can play in companies and then back out here to tech and uh, into Chime, which is a, you know, really, you know, successful uh, company disrupting the finance space. So I guess a decade of CPG eventually leading to divisional kind of leadership and the last 10 years in tech and kind of disrupting categories.
0: I mean, the word that comes to my mind is just this fluidity, right? Or this sort of this continual evolution. Um, you know, as you know, you are sort of emblematic of, I think, the change that we talk about, probably very broadly, around how the role morphs, how marketing morphs, how companies are are rethinking what marketing should be as a growth engine, like. All of those things, sort of all of those trends that we talk about in general terms, you're actually like, a, a you know, you embody that change because you've actually not just responded to it, but you've driven it. How hard has it been? Because what I'm hearing in that story is that you've had to do some, perhaps you've had to do some convincing, perhaps, of the companies that you're working in and for and with um, to also reimagine or rethink um, and reposition marketing and marketing leadership um, to be what you, it sounds like, you very sort of fundamentally um, believe it needs to be, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, it's it's fascinating. I think depending on the company or the industry that you're in, the role of a CMO and the credibility of the function is meaningfully different. Let, let me give you examples in CPG. I think it's pretty clear, right? Like the C, there's usually the marketers are the ones who end up becoming you know, like I said, divisional presidents or the CEO of the company, not always, but in many cases, the CPG career path is very clear. Now, I've been out of that for a decade, but that's that's been established for years. That was sort of the breeding ground of marketers as leaders. And eventually that's where that happened. But you move into the tech world um, as marketing has become so much more attributable and the way tech companies are scaling is sort of through direct response and performance marketing and lifecycle marketing and some of these capabilities and approaches that are less prevalent in CPG that don't have direct-to-consumer business models. Right. Um, a couple of things happen. One, you become like a bit of a more of a transactional function because everything you're doing is on view for everyone to see, right? Like mm-hmm. I spend X money, I acquire X customers, and here's the cost of it. And so to really earn your credibility, you have to know your numbers, you have to know your tech, you need to know your data. It's just a completely different sort of skill set, I think, required to earn your way, earn your stripes in that industry. And then you go to retail, which I did with Walgreens Boots, mm-hmm. and it used to be that marketing was sort of like the, um, you know, like you make ads to support the beauty category yeah. or you know, the merchant in the home care category, right? And sort of what we're seeing also in retail, and I'm sure you're seeing this across many uh, retailers, and I've seen this across my peers, is the role of the CMO evolved into sort of the good ones are becoming chief customer officers and they're starting to design the customer experience that defines the brand. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, in each role, you have to like earn your stripes in a slightly different way, yep. but you need a very deep set of broad skills to be able to do that. And what I've tried to do is build experiences so that today I can kind of draw on all of those things and make that happen. And like I said, it took three pay cuts, moves around the world, working in private equity, selling a business, failing in one series C business, right? Like all of this is part of it. And uh, I really ask people to embrace their careers like jungle gyms instead of ladders and go that. chase experiences. You, know? You,
0: said, you said deep and broad. I mean, <laughs> that that's, that's pretty much covering the gamut. So um, that's ambitious, you know. And I'm I'm curious, you know, I'm curious you're taking, by the way, I'm totally going off script here, just because I mean, this is. <laughs> um, let's do it. Let's let's do it. I mean, you know, look, I've been kind of tracking this. This um, I think there's a prevalence of CMOS who are who are elevating into CEO roles and president roles at various companies and I've been kind of tracking that for a couple of years now. And just curious your your take on that, you know, and as you think about it, because of, listen, and I'm not putting value judgment on it because I think there's some CMOs who feel like staying in that role um, and continuing to just move among different types of companies and sort of continuing to evolve that role. Um, is an end in itself. It's a, just it's a it's a it's a wonderfully rich and ambitious um, career path. Of course, there's other CMOs who we've seen uh, move into that um, you know that highest level role at companies, um, and arguably getting away from the you know from from the the, the over the direct oversight of marketing strategy with what you said, you know, my question is, how are you interpreting that migration? And um, where do you think it works? Where do you think it doesn't work? And and if there were CMOs who do aspire to that, you know, what's your best advice um, from your perspective?
3: Yeah, I think, I think people make those decisions for different reasons. I think, like I said, in CPG, it's worked and it's worked for years, right? It's very, very clear. Where I think there's still a lot of evolution required for CMOs to ascend to that sort of CEO role is in the world of um, tech-driven businesses, right? Where you are fundamentally a product and engineering sort of centric business, you're a software platform or you're a platform business that is direct to consumer. Because those businesses are so um, sort of tech savvy. So I think the first thing is, what is the category we're talking about? I And I think sometimes in our industry, we talk in generalities uh, too much. And I really think it's category specific. Um, In the tech world, it comes down to, um, you know, you just, you have to understand how software gets shipped, right? You have to understand software development cycles. You have to understand how the engineering teams work. You have to understand how product roadmaps get built, which is very different than the other world. And so the most important thing I can share is that um, definitely uh, the path to that is to eventually CMOs need to lead aspects of the product organization in tech companies. And that's happening more and more frequently. And as that happens, if you've got the revenue and growth side, which a lot of CMOs have, and you can blend that with kind of the product side, Mm -hmm. I think now you've got the commercial and the product background to get there. I think the other thing is like just taking, you know, I take on public board roles of direct-to-consumer companies. I'm on the board of a programmatic ad tech company, right? Like really any way you can build your skills in a world that is increasingly going to be software driven, I think that's the kind of skill set that CMOS is going to require to kind of become leaders of, I'd say, modern Uh, business models and modern businesses and where the world is headed it's it's going to be critical
0: what do CMOs need now Um, that's probably I know that's a super vague question but you know um, everything that happens in this industry you know as frankly as marketers it's all about isolating needs and understanding what our consumers and our customers need and that from there we we develop those products those services that engagement those platforms what do you think marketers need now
3: in terms of skill sets and in, kind cer- of- in
0: terms of helping them excel in in terms of helping them, you know, listen, this is a question I could have asked you six months ago, two years ago, five years ago, and I'll oh, ask yeah. you again in five years. So I'm not saying it's a new question. It's a perennial question. But like given the here and now we're on this side of the pandemic, um, you know, I think there are economic pressures that are still obviously affecting um, so many people in this world. So you know, Just kind of taking stock of the moment we're in right now, what do you think marketers need um, to power themselves and their businesses forward and, and sort of um, what do they lack and what are they really searching for? Yeah, effective? it's such
3: a good question. Just to, to your listeners, and I'll kind of answer this, if your listeners that want to become CMOs one day, I'll kind of answer it in that context because I think the needs and the skills are, are much more diverse than they used to be. I think the first thing is, look, I'm really thankful for my CPG training, right? Like that was the first decade of my career. And I don't think those fundamentals go away. Like you said, understanding consumer needs, being able to articulate insights, um, being able to define benefits of products, like all of those things that are core to CPG sort of brands, those are not gonna be lost. And those are fundamental skill sets. building great creative, right, platforms. All of that is gonna continue to be critical. But in addition to that, there's more things that are required. The first one is you have to become what I call sort of ambidextrous or full stack marketers. So CPG works a lot at the very top of the funnel, right? Building kind of brand campaigns and creating demand at the very top of the funnel.
1: But in today's
3: world, what you need to work is full stack, right? You need to build a demand and then kind of be able to sweep up that those prospects and those customers through performance marketing, Mm. and too often these two things are seen separately. So you need to become full stack and be able to understand how brand connects to the bottom of the funnel, which is sort of performance marketing. And then that connects once you have the customer acquired, how that turns into lifetime value of customer, through things like lifecycle marketing and product marketing and those kinds of things. So by full stack, I think the new definition is brand plus direct response and sort of capturing that demand and then pulling that one step lower into sort of lifetime value of customers and more and more cmos are being asked to do the full thing top to bottom and i think that's a really important skill set for people who want to become cmos Yeah, i think the other the next thing is like just understanding i know this sounds a little bit like kind of geeky but understanding data and martech stacks all of this stuff i'm talking about is enabled through sort of the right data platforms and data pipes feeding things the right way, um, data f- you know flowing into into stacks that feed your advertising dollars and creating. I mean, just this week I was working on a predictive algorithm that could actually send money to the ad platforms and only bid on the customers that I thought were the highest predicted conversion customers for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is like I need to build like we're we are the systems architects of our own tech stacks now and like how many CMOs can talk about that right you need to understand that and go deep in the weeds so that's like the third thing that's where personalization happens that's how you build LTV and then the fourth thing I'd say is the leadership muscle right being able to build teams of specialists right it used to be like How can you hire specialists if you don't understand the craft, right? You don't need to be better than other people at what they do, but you need to understand how the modern marketing ecosystem works so you can construct your team with the right skill sets. So I think the hiring, the design of orgs, the hiring of specialist talent, and then the motivation and connection of specialists into a team that feels like a united front, even though marketing is becoming a function of specialism, um, is such an important leadership skill because you now have like all these ambidextrous people all over the place and you're almost leading marketing through scrums and almost like product squads rather than in an agile sort of model rather than sort of a linear top-down model. Yep. And so that's the other leadership skill which I think needs to be built. So maybe I'm talking like, I don't know, uh, a different language in some ways, but I really think that's the language of the CMO today and people want to become that like, better be building those skills on their way up.
0: I love that. Um, I want to ask you this next question. You know, I know for a fact that agency executives listen to this podcast and they 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 share it with their teams because, you know, it's obviously it's getting, I'm sure it's other podcasts too, of course. But like, it's... Um, Getting that insight into understanding like how and where and why agencies fit and need to be the best partners and collaborators and, um, you know, so these conversations um, provide that insight. What's your take? You know, what, are, on the agency front and, um, you know, in terms of, again, in this moment, where agencies need to be um, most beneficial to their brand partners, um, what, is, what is that place for you?
3: Yeah, look, I yeah, I consider some like people like Mark Reed and Artur; these are two of my close friends. I mean, I consider yeah. them great leaders of agencies, and I think they're thinking starting to understand where the model needs to go. So, in the context of agencies, the kind of what I always ask of agencies or the advice that I would give people like that is a couple of things. First, you know, I don't think CMOS want to pay per hour anymore, right? Like the days of sort of scopes of work and trying to predict the hourly rate of how many people i need you know i think those days are starting to go away and what we want is outcomes based you know um kind of uh, agreements right of course we need to create some kind of retained sort of cuz they got to pay their staff etc but we need to balance that retained with outcome based approach performance based approach in a much more uh, kind of clear way, like CMOs are being held more accountable than ever for growth and results, and right. we need agency partners that are willing to put their skin in the game and really balancing sort of the predictable retained dollars with the kind of less predictable outcome space performance based dollars. I think that's bucket one. Bucket two is, um, you know, just like I talked about, CMOs need to change. I mean, if if agencies are not ahead of cmos on what a modern marketing sort of kind of model looks like a stack looks like the ca- all those capabilities i talked about if an agency cannot bring a blend of seamlessly integrating those capabilities i talked about to the table i think they're going to go irrelevant and this is what's happening right like i don't know if you've ever read this book madison avenue massacre it's a fascinating fascinating book mm-hmm. but it's essentially you know these old models of like media agencies being separate from creative agencies being separate from i don't know uh the tech side of the world i, I just don't know how that works anymore like it ends up being on the client to integrate the agency it should be the other way around yeah. the agency should be so integrated that it makes the job easy for the client and this means you know thirds like agencies need to get rid of these like individual pnls everywhere right like I, the agency's PL problem is not my problem, right? Like yeah. I, I adore and love our agencies, but you know, like when the infighting starts, there it's like, no, like what is a singular PL? I get, I get that we have to run in P&Ls, but like, how does the client not see the agency's org structure? You know, in the day to day work, you 100%, know,
0: percent. It needs to be completely, yeah. It needs to be sort of, um, uh, it, they need to be blind to that, right? Like it just, just needs seamless. to be yeah. correct. Um, it will, you know, look, I mean, just like anything, things grow, you know, it's hard to, uh, listen, I covered interactive agencies back in
3: 1998, 99. Remember when
0: that was the thing? (laughs) That was a thing. It was a big thing and, um, they didn't call them even digital agencies. And I mean, it was sort of like these things were created to respond to tactics, right? To new tactics that were, and I think like, listen, I mean, and it's no fault of anybody's because, you know hindsight's 2020, 20, but like, if you're only responding to tactics, you're not looking, you're just not looking at things holistically. And so, I mean, to your point, I think there's still vestiges of that, those kinds of breakouts where agencies are set up to, you know, simply just acknowledge and respond to and address tactics as opposed to overall strategy and, and centralize yeah. it.
3: And and by the way, I, I got to give credit. Um, these are my observations, but I got to give credit to the industry a little bit. I mean, people like Mark Reed are starting, you've seen him integrating agencies together, right? Like he's bringing agencies under one umbrella in the first steps is starting to do that. People like Artur at Publis, Publicis are starting to create singular p ls kind of this one PL model. And you're seeing that, you see agency like uh, what David Droga is doing over at Song and starting to blend the consulting side with the tech side, with sort of the acquisition of of Droga 5 and the design agencies they've acquired. So I think people are getting it, and we just need to move faster and faster on that side of the house to enable CMOs to be more successful as well. It, it, it's gonna take two sides to, to win this.
0: 100%. Um, last quick question on this point and the, and and then we'll we'll move on uh next to sort of you as a leader within your organization um and kind of what you're doing there but uh listen our our name is Adweek you know advertising where how do you view regard advertising as you know that that certainly that's our history i mean we've evolved so much beyond that because obviously i think we we recognize advertising is but one important incredibly important component of an overall picture but like again, as we sit here in this moment, how do you define advertising? Where does it have power? Um, and how must it be harnessed, you know, for best use um, by marketing leaders?
3: Yeah, look, um, I know I'm uh, uh, speaking to the converted here and I'm speaking to you on, the, on these topics, but um, you know, I, I, people have said this before. The, the word advertising needs an advertising campaign, right? Like it is, I'm not sure that word any longer carries the credibility Uh, that it used to right like back in the Mad Men days where like you'd go to a fancy office on Madison Avenue and you know I've been to all these offices and you'd be blown away by like the room you were sitting in you know I think it still evokes vestiges of that Mm -hmm. the word that I use now um, a lot more is like the the word that I've sort of I don't know if I coined it maybe I did maybe I didn't I don't know maybe I picked it up from somewhere but it's this word I call performance storytelling and I actually think that that's what we do now like the storytelling has not gone away, it's just that it happens in a full-stack way, right? The stories I'm telling at the very top of the funnel are different than I have to like do a chapter two in the middle of the funnel, and then once you're a customer, I have to do a chapter three. You know, It's a never-ending, editorial, multi-channel approach to storytelling that we need to do, but I add the performance to it because without accountability and and outcomes, it honestly doesn't matter. So to me, it's like this this word advertising, I think does need to get reinvented. I think it's incumbent on us as leaders to figure out how to do that. I'm not, I think we talk about that a lot, but I'm not sure we're doing much about it, to be honest. So it comes down to us as an industry and leaders to like really gain the credibility of our words back, of our function back and so, you know, I, I don't really use words like advertising anymore, to be honest. I, I always say things like storytelling or performance storytelling, and um, I, I think that's really where, where we're headed now. Like, that's, that's, I think, what it's about, driving performance through telling great stories about your brand.
0: We'll be back with more Marketing Vanguard after this quick break.
2: Ready to unlock the full potential of your media spend? Whether you're looking to launch a new product, build your brand, or help increase sales this quarter, Walmart Connect helps brands make an impact with precise targeting, powerful analytics, and the reach of America's number one retailer walmart connect offers solutions for advertisers of all sizes on and off walmart's digital properties and in their stores from cost-effective sponsored search and self-serve display ads on Walmart's site and apps to connected tv and off-site media across web and social to in-store activations and live events walmart connect can help you deliver the right content to the right walmart customer at the right step of their shopping journey And Walmart Connect's closed-loop measurement means they can track the full impact of your campaign on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today to find out how you can start connecting with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers. Walmart Connect. More than media. Meaningful connections.
0: Right, so, Vinit, let's talk about. Now, let's get into. Um, I like to ask questions uh, in the Marketing Vanguard podcast around like just leadership, you know, leadership approach and, and, uh, You know, I'm curious to ask you this question, and anybody who listens to the podcast knows that I ask this every time. But I like to use the analogy of of being a player on a soccer on a soccer field and or a soccer pitch, and thinking about you know what position you play. And so, are you at the the front of the the front of the team, um, scoring the goals, and in the striker position? Are you at midfield, really trying to be that connective tissue between the strikers and the defense, or are you at the back of the pitch, really protecting the goal, um, you know, from your competitors?
3: Yeah. Well, you picked a good sport. I love soccer and I love basketball. So, um, you know, for me, it's if you ask me to pick a pick a position on the pitch, it's to me, it's it's this sort of center midfielder. Um, and the reason I go there is, yeah, you know, I talked about how modern marketing organizations need to be designed with you know specialists right like if you think of a soccer field you've got the sweeper in the back you've got the striker up front you've got the wings and in many ways the center midfielder's role is to ensure the ball is moving right. in the right way when you need to get back you know you're running the whole field right as a center midfielder so you when you run back to defense sometimes you just got to get that ball back up and reinforce the defensive position Mm-hmm. Sometimes you've got to like get the ball up to the striker and be able to get that goal scored. So I think in a lot of ways, it's really if it was a soccer analog, to me, it's that center midfield position where your role is to facilitate. It's yeah. to right. enable. it's to play where the the team needs you at that time. And um, I think in leadership parlance, that would be called sort of servant leadership. and mm-hmm. I think that's a, really important role at, that a leader needs to do. You're, you're not the one scoring the goals.
0: So that's not an uncommon response from CMOs and marketing leaders who I ask that question of. I'm, I, there is variability in the answers that I get for that. Um, I wonder if we were to ask that question of CEOs, CFOs, or CIOs, you know, for example, what different responses we would get. And I'm curious, do you have insight into that? What would you speculate? And then Obviously, the other part of that is who are your best collaborators. You know, if that's who you are in your leadership team, if you're the center midfielder, you know, who are who are who are your CEO and your CFO and others in the C-suite that you're working with, and and how do you define the collaboration that you have with them?
3: Yeah, I mean, in so many ways, um, the CMO's role, I think. Now, if we go to the C-suite, yep. is to You know, in many ways, like the C, this is probably the first time, frankly, I've had a chief marketing officer title in many, many years. Usually, my role, titles don't matter, but my role ultimately is growth, right? My role is to be the chief growth officer or the chief revenue officer, call it what you want to do. And so, ultimately, my role in the C suite is to drive growth. And the CEO, the CFO, all of my colleagues are relying on me to allocate capital. And I allocate by far the most capital of anyone in the c-suite right like my job is a capital alligator and if you look at percent of revenue by far I, I i spend quote unquote more money than anyone in the c-suite they are relying on me to spend those dollars in the most efficient and effective way possible the whole blend of the dollars you know i spend without getting into it, i spend hundreds of millions of dollars a year so that's what i've got to do Um, And I think that is my role, but to do that, I need to be the ultimate collaborator that I can be, right? That we have to be, we cannot, we all think we can do this alone, but it takes a village, right? I need my chief product officer's partnership to build products that eventually become viral and don't require marketing to sell it, right? When, you know, I actually, I was, I get told all the time I'm one of the few CMOs that asked for a smaller budget because if my budget shrinks, that means the product is selling itself. Right. I would I always w- say like I want my marketing budget to go to zero because a marketer's job shouldn't be to spend money. It should be to spend the least amount of money to get the highest possible result. And if that means my product can create its own viral root, the referrals and things like that, awesome, right? Especially in tech businesses, that's great. I would love nothing more than that. I need my CIO or CTO in, in other language right, to help me build the tech stack I talked about earlier, right? right. Do I know the information of my customers? Do I have a single view? Is that single view feeding into my data platforms that are feeding the Google Analytics and you know the media platforms that I need? So we can't do it alone. And so I think um, that analogy applies. I think if there's one role that needs to connect the C-suite, I think it's the CMO because ultimately leadership teams of companies are about growth. They're about efficient growth. And in many cases, we hold the keys To deploying the capital to get there. But we can't do it alone. We have to be humble teammates and you know seek help and and support uh, of the community of our leadership teams.
0: Absolutely. Talk a little bit about Chime's journey and where Chime is uh, right now.
3: Yeah, so I recognize that um, probably a lot of the listeners are probably not in Chime's target audience. Um, And so may not know Chime, but that's, that means we're probably doing a pretty good job of of targeting where we need to target and uh, growing the way we need to grow. Um, in a nutshell, Chime is what, you know, I guess the trades and, and modern sort of business magazines would call like a fintech company. Um, and essentially, we are a uh, financial services company powered by technology that is essentially um, built to serve everyday Americans with sort of, you know, fair, transparent, um, and honest sort of practices when it comes to banking services. So essentially, um, just to give you a sense, let me start with purpose and I'll kind of talk through this. So our purpose is to what we call uniting everyday people to unlock their financial progress. So if you go back many years, right, um, banking is full of things like, Fees and um, overdraft fees, and like, you know, things of that nature that really make it hard for everyday Americans who live paycheck to paycheck, which is, by the way, 70% of the US population lives paycheck to paycheck. Um, And, you know, the people who least need fees and overdrafts and things like that are the ones who are getting penalized by the larger banks. So essentially, we've disrupted, we're disrupting the financial services industry by sort of ushering in an era of services and products that kind of Uh, are really transforming banking. So for example, we started with fee-free banking, um, and we were kind of one of the first ones to have fee-free checking accounts and things like that, even if, no matter what your balance was. We then went to sort of, we created this thing, product called SpotMe, which is a $200 uh, fee-free overdraft limit. So, you know, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, sometimes you run out of money on that Friday, right? And you just need to get through that weekend and fill your gas, so sometimes that overdraft happens for a couple of bucks, and now you're charged a $20 overdraft fee. So we created sort of a fee-free overdraft model up to $200. Then we created our next big innovation, which was getting paid two days early. So if you direct deposit with us, um, you get your money back. You That's get your, you get paid two days early, which will help us with that challenge. And then our, our, our innovation a couple of years ago is what we call the credit builder card, which essentially is risk-free credit building. It's essentially a secured credit card where you can kind of build credit and spend like a debit, spend like a credit card, but it's a security of a credit card Mm. and essentially be able to build your credit along the way. So, you know, we've really made a big difference in the industry, you know, 9.9 billion in overdraft fees have been taken out, um, you know, since uh, pre-pandemic levels. We've given members back 5 billion of tax refunds, uh, $18 billion of like overdraft sort of free overdraft for people. It's mm-hmm. been a real disruption in the industry and, you know, we're growing very fast as a result.
0: So let me ask you, um, you know, obviously we learn so much from, and I love that you just talked about purpose and how you're really pulling that through. Um, I think what we learn as anybody who, you know, um, is in any sort of working role or leadership role as we learn as much from our, the mistakes we make as the wins. And so I'm going to ask you to share, um, you know, a mistake you learned from and then also something where you hit it out of the park and and what you learned from that?
3: Yeah, I'd say, you know, at the level we operate as CMOs where I've been for the last kind of number of years, The biggest mistakes, candidly, have always been um, on the hiring side, right? No one has a 100% batting average right on that front. And where I've made those mistakes is I've hired either too much on one side, either for technical capability and skills, or I've hired too much on um, on the kind of culture fit side and haven't been able to balance both of those things. And I think over time, my batting average has gotten much better on that. But I think what I've learned over time is that I'm starting to spend, you know, people who've interviewed with me know that I take four or five interviews to like really hire someone now because I feel like that's probably every mistake I've made. Yes, there's technical errors or judgment decisions that you make, but ultimately it ladders down to did I have the right people on the boat, you know? Mm -hmm. And so where I've spent a lot of my time developing my intuition is how to hire people. Um, I think for everyone that's different, but I'd go, first deeply technical and make sure that folks can do the job at hand. Mm -hmm. And then I do this thing which many people will refer to as the airport test, right? Where I I then just we just hang, right? We (laughs) I have them over to my house for dinner. Like we we go out for a drink or we just do something that's much more just human.
1: Mm. And
3: that allows me to separate those two things. What I found was I was making mistakes as I tried to do both at once. Mm -hmm. And I think those are different sides of your brain sometimes. And that's really where I've tried to improve the most. I think ultimately it comes down to the people that you that you have on this boat, and that's probably where I have made my biggest mistakes, but also tried to learn and grow the most over the years.
0: And a win, and something you know, one of the things with the Marketing Vanguard podcast, um, the question I ask people if if marketing, I, I'm sorry, if Vanguard literally defined means a group of people leading the way in new developments or ideas. What's an example of a development or an idea that you've had that you feel has made um, material change, either for um, your company or for the wider industry?
3: Yeah, I, I think um, I think probably one of the things that you know I'm most proud of, of being part of the team on is really elevating how brand stories get told, um, but outside of advertising. So. When we were at Ancestry and we kind of brought genetic testing into the world. One of the things that we did was, you know, advertising, I think consumers see through advertising, they know when they're being marketed to now. So we started to create live programming and actually were nominated for Emmy awards, things like, who do you think you are long lost family? These were television shows that we were actually very much behind to get people interested in a category that isn't as functional, right? It's much more emotional. And I think starting to think of um, storytelling as not as advertising, but as sort of long form, short form, you know, scrolls, clicks, you know, being able to tell stories across multiple formats that kind of all tie and tick together, almost like a puzzle, I think is something that um, that we really figured out. I'm really proud of that team um, at Ancestry and the work we did to kind of bring this idea of unlocking our past and um, to inspire our future, showing us that we're all much more similar than we are different. And all of that was done through, you know, storytelling in ways that I guess traditional to our use our word earlier advertising mm-hmm. wouldn't cover. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think that's a pretty big unlock and something that I try to bring with me um, across my experiences.
0: No, I love that. I mean, I think, obviously, I think the whole ancestry stuff, I mean, the, the messaging and the, the, It's almost like shining light on new truths that you know. um, Yes, it's marketing. Yes, it's pushing product. I mean, listen. At the end of the day, marketers are 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 they have a job for a reason. But you 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 left a narrative out there in the world too that is material and that the people are actually you know continue to have them think differently about backgrounds and ancestors and you know and so there's there's an interesting um resonance and something to know that you've left that mark um beyond yeah. the corporate goals is is pretty is pretty is pretty powerful
3: yeah and, and, and she's a great example of sort of full stack marketing I mean I was talking about the highest order storytelling but under the hood that's the stuff people see but under the hood, if you had seen the direct response team we had and the performance marketing team we were doing to sweep up the demand we were creating from that narrative and the tech the marketing technology stack and the data stacks we had built i think at that point we had done one of the largest salesforce migrations in history to enable all of this you know i, I love um, that
0: reminder yes because there has to be a baton handling a handoff exactly. i mean you cannot it cannot live out there in the ether without that that undergirding of, of um of systems and talent and skills and um operations um
3: absolutely
0: so so key um honestly Vinit, um this has been wonderful and i had one last question for you which is um who's next um one of the you know purposes if you will or so sort of one of the priorities of 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 marketing vanguard is Yes, definitely spotlighting those people who are in high level, uh, you know, C level roles, whether it be CMOs or equivalent roles, or or even CEOs um, that have come up through the CMO role. Um, but we also want to shine light on people who um, may not yet be household names. You know, might be people who um, do or don't have the C suite title, but are doing some incredible things because I think there's marketing decision making happening at at all different levels, and so. The question is, who who would be next? Who should we interview next um, for the Marketing Vanguard podcast?
3: You know, I'm always fascinated by some of the, what you're seeing more and more in industry is CMOs going to agencies and it's happening more and more. You know, there is a couple of people I really regard as great CMOs who are now agency leaders. I think that'd be a fascinating yes. topic for people to learn about and how they're taking their practitioner mindset into the agency okay. side. Uh, Tessa Arganis is um, yes, former CMO is. of Discord. Now is the uh, North American president of AKQA, and she actually brought Jabari over with her, and he is now the Amazing. LA office leader. It'd be kind of cool to like maybe have both of them together and just see how people who are CMOs are coming into the agency world and and making a difference and helping helping us bridge um, the needs that we both have to be successful in our industry.
0: I love that idea, and uh, I will definitely reach out to them. Um, I'm going to – just a quick little plug, and one of the things that I think they would be fantastic for is our Adweek X event that's happening at the end of the year because it's literally an event that is meant to spotlight um, the connections and collaborations and sort of almost like the the cross-functional – Relationships that we're starting to see um, continually power the industry. I mean, I think, listen, we've always historically had agencies and clients and all those sort of traditional uh, pairings, but I think we're just seeing so many more new and frankly um, unusual and expected pairings. And in the way that the advertising marketing brand industry is partnering with um, unlikely um, suspects that are helping them advance their businesses and their brands in exponential ways. So, um, we're we're stay tuned for more on that. Cause there's, there's a lot there that, that we're super, super excited about, but, um, a lot of these shifts we're seeing, we're going to be addressing there. And I think, um, um, certainly on this podcast, but perhaps in that context as, as well, I, I'd love to get, um, Tessa and Jabari there, uh, for conversation. So, um, and you as well. So, so much more to come. We have so many other things we could talk about Vinit. Um, it's always a pleasure, but, For now, thank you so much for being here and I hope to talk to you again very, very soon.
3: Thanks for having me, Jenny, and congratulations on all the success with Vanguard and uh, wish you the best of luck with Adweek.
0: Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for listening to Marketing Vanguard, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Jordan Pretano, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Batwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. If you expect your media investment to deliver clear, measurable results, Walmart Connect can help you get there. With powerful analytics and the reach of America's number one retailer. Their closed loop measurement uses Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to track the impact of your campaigns on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest of market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit WalmartConnect.com today and see how they can help make your media spend meaningful. Walmart Connect, more than media?
0: And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.